Somebody clap your hands. Hallelujah. And give God a great praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How many is thankful that we serve a God that is more than enough? Amen. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's a lot of descriptive words of what God can do. Above all that which we can ask or think. Now, I know there's some folks in the house of God that got a really good imagination. You can think a lot. You can dream a lot. You can even uh, you can even do like I do, talk a lot. Praise God. And there's something about it, amen, that if you can think about all the most that you can, God does exceedingly, abundantly, above. I think we ought to give him an exceedingly abundantly and above all that kind of praise on this Wednesday night. Somebody clap your hands and shout. Hallelujah. Come on. Let it come out of you. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Here tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse number 21. Amen. We want to remember, amen, to keep uh, the rest of our church in prayer. Amen. I know the Worley family is out camping. They do it once a year. So we need to keep them in prayer that they would be safe out there and that God would bring them back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. Amen. We're going to continue on in our study. Amen. This is the year of favor. We want God to bring favor into our life, favor with God and favor with men. And so to do that, amen, we have been studying, amen, what brings favor into our life. And there's no better place to start than Jesus' sermon on the mount. So we're going to be continuing on in that. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, You have heard that it was said of them by them of old time. Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, amen, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled unto thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing, or the very last penny. Amen. And I'm going to teach you us on this subject. Matters of the heart, part one, we're going to talk about anger. Everybody say anger. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. And let's ask that God would touch us here today. Hallelujah. I believe that in this word there is, amen, more than enough for every single individual to receive a word from the Lord. I believe that there's enough teaching here that if we would grab a hold of this, I do believe that it will bring favor from heaven and it will bring favor here on earth for every individual God. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would anoint us to receive the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Snarl at your neighbor and tell him anger. Hallelujah. And I don't actually mean it. I'm kidding. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. There are some folks that have had a lot of practice with that. They've been snarling all week. And so, amen. We're going to be talking over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about matters of the heart because ultimately that's what Jesus is dealing with when it comes to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But, uh, but primarily in the next several, the rest of chapter 5, that's what he's dealing with is some matters of the heart. And in our portions of Scripture, Jesus is really dealing with a motive. He's dealing with one of the motives that, is central to all of our hearts, and that is the motive of anger. What words come to each of our minds when we think of the word anger? Maybe it's uh, somebody being mean. Maybe it's somebody that's got too much aggression, somebody that's just mad. They're violent. They're destructive. They're bitter. These are all things that come to our mind and many more when the word anger is uttered. Anger is one of the most difficult emotions to feel and to manage. Every person knows what it's like to be angry. It can grip you and make you feel as if you have lost all control. Often, anger leads to other emotions, emotions like jealousy, bitterness, envy, selfishness. Anger is just like the tip of an iceberg. It is what most people see on the surface, but there's usually more emotion that lies well beneath the surface. It can cause a lot of damage when it is not managed well. And everybody said amen to that. Everybody's been on the receiving end of that, and everybody's been on the giving end of that. Most people believe that anger is always sinful, but this is not accurate. If all anger were a sin, then God would be a sinner. The Word declares that even God gets angry. Psalms 30 and verse 5 says, His anger endures but for a moment. Amen. God gets angry. In fact, you'll find over and over again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against. The anger of the Lord was kindled against. Anger is an emotion that's, that God gave to us. Amen. Anger is an emotion that God himself possesses. Amen. So in order for us to be made and created in the image of God, he did not remove the ability to get angry. Amen. Anger is not a sin. In fact, anger is something that makes us a little bit more like God. Amen. What we do with our anger determines whether or not it is sinful. 
I've just come to tell you that there's some folks that they don't want to seem angry, and the adversary has come by week in and week out and is taking from you, amen, and taking from you to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there's people that because they believe anger is wrong, they don't let anger motivate them to action. But I want to tell you, if there's something you ought to be angry about, it's every time the devil came into your life, every time the adversary stole something from you, every time he killed your joy, every time he destroyed hopes of a future, there ought to be something godlike in you that rises up, amen, through the Holy Ghost, and it's something called anger. Man, it should make you and I angry at what the adversary has done. I mean, anger is real, and anger can be difficult to control. This is why the Bible talks about it often. Humans have struggled with anger, amen, well before, amen, they've struggled with it since the fall, but they've always had it. Amen, consider the story of Cain and Abel. Cain was angry, amen, and envious of his brother Abel. Amen. So much that eventually he killed his brother Abel. This is why Jesus puts anger and murder in the same concept, context. Amen. There are stories throughout the Bible of angry kings, angry people groups, and even an angry God. People in Scripture murder, destroy, mistreat others, and question God when they get angry. Anger is not a sin, but what we do with it can be. Unfortunately, most times in Scripture, you and I will only see anger being mishandled in sinful ways. Today, many people have anger issues, and they are not sure what to do with this emotion called anger. They yell at one another. They hit either objects or other people. They cuss and say things we can't repeat here today. Sometimes they will throw things. They will break things. They will destroy things when they get angry. Amen. It's as if it's another emotion that this world does not know how to properly handle. They don't know what to do with it. And so it is just like TNT. It explodes and shrapnel goes everywhere like a grenade. Amen. Anger is something we all deal with. Amen. But we've got to make sure we properly handle anger or we will, amen, be in, 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 in danger of, of hellfire, as Jesus said, in danger of judgment. Three ways to tell if anger is leading you to cross the line into sin. Number one, if your anger ignites too fast. Amen. I should have some folks that are starting to feel what I'm talking about here tonight right now. Amen. If your anger ignites too fast, it's leading you, amen, down a slippery slope straight into sin. Amen. We're talking about, amen, the inner passions of a, a person's temperament. People that have a short fuse. You ever met somebody like that? Amen. They got a short fuse. Anybody like that? No, I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. Amen. Amen. This short fuse, it's primed and ready to fire up like a small engine, like, amen, a flintlock rifle. It is cocked and ready to go, amen, like a pistol. Amen. It's ready, amen, to be shot out at the first person that pulls the trigger. Amen. It doesn't take much pressure. It takes a small pug, a small pull, a small tug on the emotions. Amen. Everything starts firing off. It starts running, smoking. Amen. It starts going at a noisy pace. These are the kind of people that are quick to strike, quick to lash out, quick to start a fight. Amen. Just stare straight ahead and say, oh me, oh my. Amen. 
If your anger is leading you to have a short fuse and a quick temper, you are going down the wrong direction. The worst anger reactions come from impulsive, quick decisions that are made in anger. This is why the Bible commands us in James chapter 1 and verse 19. In the ESV, it reads it this way. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted or engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. I want you to notice that it does not say never become angry. It says be slow to anger. If we respond quickly in anger, we are probably not living the way that God wants us to live. If we are so short-tempered and so quick-fused that anybody and anything can set us off at any moment, amen, we are going to find ourselves in a world of hurt. Amen. Sinful anger reacts. Proper anger responds. Let me talk about this for a moment. Everybody's human in this building, last time I checked, and everybody's going to have a knee-jerk response it's a, or, or a knee-jerk reaction. But the other one that is prayed up and walking in the Spirit is going to have a patient and thoughtful response. Amen. Everybody's got reactions. If you punch me, I'm going to turn red and I'm going to get angry. And there's part of me that just wants to swing back because it's in my nature as a man. That's a knee-jerk reaction. And if I follow through with it, I have just continued in anger and let my anger lead me to sin. Amen. But when I respond through the Holy Ghost that is within me, something causes me to remember that I I am not to be a brawler, that I am not to lash out or strike back. Something reminds me that I am to turn the other cheek. I think we ought to lift up our hands and let's pray for a moment. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah, there's some people that have let their reactions, amen, be their only response. But I've come to preach to somebody, you need to let the Holy Ghost rein you in. Amen. When you are the person that's always reactionary, Amen. You will continually lash out. You will be the short fuse. But God has called us to have a response. Amen. An answer. A response. And it's one that you think about. You have considered. My wife and I always talk about it. Everybody's got a first thought. Everybody's got a knee-jerk reaction. Amen. Everybody's allowed to have that moment where without thinking, it's just like you get hit in the knee and your reflexes kick out. Amen. Everybody's allowed that moment because we are but flesh and we are but human. But it is your second response that determines your identity. Amen. If you only have a first reaction and that's all you operate in, then that's all you are. If your first reaction is to punch them, Amen. Then you are going to be an abusive person. That is now your identity. But if your first response, your first reaction is I want to swing back, but your response time slows you down and says, hold on, let's think about this. I want to tell you, you become a patient individual. You have become a long-suffering individual. That is now your identity. 
But there are too many people that have allowed themselves to stay only in their reactionary. And the Bible says they are blown about by every wind of doctrine. These are the people that when every, every time uh, they feel angry, they just fly off the handle. They just shoot at the first person. Uh, amen. You ever met somebody like that? They always seem like they're on edge. Amen. They always look like they've been chewing on granite. Amen. They just, they're just ready. To, they just got a snarl on their face and in their heart. Amen. They're always looking to quickly react. They've already created, amen, a reaction that if somebody says the wrong thing, I've got something I'm going to say to them. The next person that crosses me, that's what I'm going to do. This is a person that has not controlled their spirit. Amen. I'll never forget, and I'm embarrassed even telling the story, but hopefully it helps somebody. I'll never forget Amen. That when I was 18 years old, I had just bought myself a newer car. Amen. I was proud of it. I worked hard. Amen. I was 19 years old. I'm sorry. I worked hard for it. I did everything. And I was taking the pastor's son with me. He was only a couple years younger than me. And, uh, and you know, he had a way of getting under your skin. Amen. And, uh, and, and uh, that's just how it goes sometimes. And he, he was, but he was, you know, somebody that I, he was a couple years younger. And, and uh, I, I spent time with him. And, and uh, we were friends. We still are friends today. Uh, but but he was a little bit younger, and he was a little bit shorter temper, and and uh, I remember he kept all day just slamming my car door, and uh, and you know for some people it may not be be a big deal, but I had spent a lot of money on that. I had worked real hard for that. I was trying to keep it nice. It's the first nice thing I ever bought. Amen. Coming from the ghetto, I worked real hard for that, and and I just said, hey Zach, please stop shutting. Just please stop slamming my door. And without him knowing. I had already determined if he does it one more time, I'm going to teach him a lesson. And uh, sure enough, and I knew him. I knew him well enough. There was something about me. I had had been having a struggle year, so please forgive me. And uh, car, you know, dad had died, car had been stolen. It was a rough year. And I had already determined if he does it one more time, I'm going to teach him a lesson. Somebody else should have taught him a long time ago. And, uh, And he gets out. What does he do? Slams the door as hard as he can intentionally. I had already had my seatbelt unbuckled. I jumped out of that car. I slammed him to the ground. And I was about two inches from slamming his head on the concrete when I realized, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? I let the hood come out. (laughs) And I realized in that moment, I I just let my testimony, amen, go that God has delivered me out of all this. I I let one moment, amen, I had predetermined what my reaction was going to be, and I never thought, amen, that it would now determine that this is the type of person I was becoming. Amen. I got a nice phone call from Pastor, and and, uh, and, uh, we we prayed through and repented. It was good. Amen. But ultimately, uh, you know, it's the idea that you've got to prepare. Instead of preparing a reaction, why don't you prepare a response? If you know you've got a coworker, I'm just I'm just in the Holy Ghost. You've got a coworker that always gets up under your skin. Instead of determining what you would do the next time they do it, and it's always negative, why don't you prepare yourself the next time they do that? I've got a good response for them, and not a, not a mean knee jerk reaction. But I've determined in my heart, uh, Amen, the type of person I'm going to be. I know they're going to do it again, so I'm going to prepare for them to do it again. I'm going to be ready with a response and not just a reaction. Amen. The, 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 the carnal man, it, it has reactions. Amen. But the regener- regenerated man does not stay in the reaction. It moves. The regenerated man moves quickly from the reaction to the response. Your first thought is natural, but your second thought is who you are. It's what you've determined in God to be. Amen. 
you keep having the same argument with your spouse and you've got a knee-jerk reaction and they know what button to press, God help them, but God help you if it's always the same reaction. Amen. Throw your enemy off. Praise God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amen. The Bible says love your enemy. Some of y'all married him, but amen. Uh, and so you got you got to throw them off and just say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna step back and we're gonna have a better response. We're gonna change it up. I'm not gonna let that bother me anymore. That I'm gonna get either we're gonna converse about it. We're not going down that road anymore, or I'm gonna pray through the place where now it no longer affects me. Amen. So number one, if you if you are the type of person that your anger ignites too fast, you are headed down the wrong road. Amen. It is a it is a fast train on a short track. Amen. Number two, if your anger lasts too long. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not, which means it's possible to do both. It is possible for you to be angry, but it's also possible for you to sin not. The Bible says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's a time frame, folks. That's a time limit. Neither give place to the devil. How do you give place to the devil? If you let your anger keep on going. Even God himself, the Bible says, his anger endures for a moment. If God puts a time limit on his anger, don't you think you and I should? This is how the devil's got a foothold in so many people's life. Because they've got no expiration date on their anger. They've got no expiration date on their bitterness. They've got no expiration date on the things that they're angry about. Amen. Let him that steals steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Amen. That he may give to him that doth not, that is in need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not. Do you know when you get angry and you hold on to it, you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Do you know when you don't let go of things, it affects your communication? It affects, it makes your communication corrupt. Amen. It, it no longer has grace coming out. It has bitterness spewing out. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ready? Amen. When it tells you not to do that, but rather, amen, let all bitterness. Everybody say bitterness. Everybody say wrath. Everybody say anger. Everybody say clamor. Everybody say evil speaking. Be put away from you. Amen. With all of the malice that comes along with that. Amen. And be you kind one to another. That's what we should be. Everybody say be kind. Well, you can't be kind when you're just so tore up with anger and bitterness. It's hard to be kind to somebody you hate. Hallelujah. It's hard to be kind to somebody that you just, ooh, if I could just let them have it. Ready? Tender hearted. Yeah, when you harden your heart towards that person and you're so angry, amen, you let a root of bitterness get in your heart and it turns that heart of flesh into a heart of stone. This is where some people, they can't even hear preaching because they've let their heart turn into so, so, it's such a stony place now. They've not allowed themselves to be tender because if I'm tenderhearted, they will stab me and it will cause me to bleed and it will cause me to hurt. So instead, I'll just toughen up. Amen. But now you can't feel, you can't be kind, you can't be tenderhearted. Ready for this one? This is going to hurt. Everybody say forgiving one another. Ooh, that's tough when they just did you wrong. Forgiving one another. Why? Even as Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
It's easy to be bitter. It's easy to be filled up with wrath and anger and all evil speaking. It's easy to let it come out of your mouth. It's easy to be so hard-hearted. It's easy, amen, to, to be ruthless. It's easy, amen, to be unforgiving until you think about what Jesus forgave you of. Hallelujah. Until you recognize God forgave me, God was good to me. After all I did, he still loves me. After all I did, he's still kind to me and leads me to repentance. After all I did, he let his anger but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Amen. If we think about what Jesus did, we, we must not hold on to anger. In this passage, sinful anger is described as when you go to sleep angry, when foul language comes out of anger, when your anger reactions grieve the Holy Spirit because it comes out and it spews and shoots out of you and explodes out of you in harmful ways, when it lingers long enough to become bitterness, unforgiveness, wrath, harmful words, and even screaming and yelling at one another. This is when anger becomes a sin. When we step out of the bounds, amen, and we, we, we feel so much anger that it's burning in our souls and it, it just keeps on going. And if prolonged, uh, amen, uh, uh, proper anger will become improper anger. It's like any emotion or appetite that we have, uh, amen. They are good in and of themselves, uh, amen. But when we, when we just keep it going, uh, amen, it starts to lead down the wrong path. Uh, amen. There's some folks that say this phrase to many things, just sleep on it. That's great advice for everything but anger. Don't sleep on your anger. Because anger turns to bitterness. Anger turns to contempt. Anger turns to malice. You know what malice is? Malice is when you think uh, with the intent to do wrong to somebody uh, or you wish ill on somebody else. Uh, you start daydreaming and dreaming at night uh, about all the evil you wish to come upon somebody. Uh, if you sleep on it, uh, you let it grow. If you sleep on it, you let it take a, de take a deeper root in your soul. Uh, amen. I want to help you here today. Uh, even a boiling pot, uh, amen, cools down through the day. Uh, you should let that anger cool down before the sun goes down. I'm not preaching as one or teaching as one who's got it all figured out, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Uh, every one of us has got to determine in our heart, we ain't going to bed hung, uh, going to bed angry, amen. If you wouldn't go to bed hungry, don't go to bed angry. Uh, you need to just say, we're going to let this thing go or we're going to figure it out. Every married couple knows what it is, amen, to just want to huff and puff and just go to sleep. Amen. There's some folks, we, got, we made a rule. If, if I'm going to the couch, you're coming with me. Hallelujah. We will, we will not go. We, will, we might say we're going to take a pause. We're going to get some sleep. Uh, amen. We're going to get up in the morning. We're going to make some food. Uh, but we are going to, we're going to make a plan for our resolution of this thing. Uh, and we're going to turn off the heat. Uh, and we're going to let this thing cool down uh, so that we can come back to it at another time. Uh, but we don't just keep the heat going through the night. Uh, amen. Staying up all night. If it keeps you up at night, you might as well wake the other person up and talk about it. Uh, you might as well say we're not going to jump out of the frying pan in the fire. Uh, amen. We're not going to move from godly anger into sinful anger by holding on to it. Amen. Sin occurs when we leave the path of moderation. Uh, amen. I want to help somebody here today. Amen. Anger expires. Amen. You wouldn't drink expired milk. 
Stop drinking expired anger. Let it go. Hallelujah. Amen. Throw it away. Take out the trash. You keep bringing things up from the past. That's, that's one of the rules we made. I mean, there's some people married a lot longer than us. We made a rule. We don't talk about things that we've already talked about. We don't bring up a past argument as shrapnel for the next argument. Amen. We just, we just, we're not talking about that. That's not what we're dealing with. Amen. We're going to talk about this and deal with this right now. I didn't come to talk about marriage, but it's a great opportunity to talk about marriage. Yeah? Amen. There's something that happens when you hold on to that and you let it fester and you let it grow. This is what happened to Esau. Amen. The Bible says that, that there grew into Esau a, a root of bitterness. And guess what happened? The Bible says he became a profane person. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This is why, amen, there's some people, as, as Brother Diaz, he didn't even know we were going to be talking about this, but he was in the Holy Ghost. Amen, they let things spew out of their mouth, and it's so nasty. It's not words of life. It's only death. It's only negativity. Amen, because they've never let the, the they've never turned off the, the gas. They've never turned off the, amen, the element. They've just let it continue to heat the pot and heat the pot and heat the pot. Amen, and they just boil and boil and boil about everything they're angry about. Amen. The problem is, is that you start burning other people that never made you mad. Amen. So first and foremost, amen, is when it explodes out of you. It happens too fast. Amen. Number two is if your anger lasts too long. And number three, it harbors too much. This is the sin that improper anger occurs when a person harbors ill will of desire for revenge. I've talked about it a little bit. This is when anger moves from thought to intent. That's why the Bible says the word of God is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's a big difference. You and I can't always determine what's a thought and what's an intent, but God can. His word can. Amen. It can happen in a split second or it can happen over time. It can internalize or it can externalize. Uh, amen. You can't, uh, you can tell things are out of order when your passions are so stirred up that you can't concentrate on other things because you're so angry. This looks like being preoccupied in heart with malice, amen, that intent, amen, to the desire to do harm and, and or that harm would come to others. It's not always that you're an abuser, amen, you just kind of wish something would fall on them. When you tell them you pray for them, you pray that brakes go out, amen. I don't trust everybody when they say I'm praying for you, P-R-E-Y, praise God. Hallelujah, I'll let you all get that in a week. Amen. There's some folks, they hug you, but they got a knife in their hand, and they're stabbing you in the back. They're waiting for their opportunity, Judas, to betray with a kiss. They've got malice in their heart. They're looking. They're desiring. Maybe they won't do the harm to you, but they sure don't hope the best for you. In fact, they are praying for the worst to happen to you. God, let them lose their job. You know what's interesting, though, is the people that have wronged you, they move on, and the truth is that nothing really happens to them. But you keep boiling and boiling and boiling, and then you run out of water, and you're always dry. And now you can't move forward, and God help you. Amen. But you got to just say, okay, I'm harboring too much of this. Amen. It's when, amen, this is because of the wrongs that have been committed against us that we harbor this malice and this desire for things to go wrong for other people. That's why the Bible says we are to love our enemies. We'll talk about that down the road. Love our enemies. Pray for those which despitefully use you. This is not your human reaction. This is your Christian response. Amen. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. I've had to pray for people, and not the, not the mean way, but I've had to pray for people that have just done me wrong. Amen. But you know why I prayed for them? Amen. The Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Some friends they were. They said, it's probably your fault you're in the mess you're in. All they did was make his misery worse. Amen. Misery didn't have company. They just made sure it was worse. And, uh, and, and yet 
Job was going through it, going through it, going through it, and he was probably angry at his friends. But the moment he said, I'm not stewing on this any longer, I'm going to pray for them. The Bible says God turned the captivity of Job. It didn't take but a moment, and the Bible says he got double for his trouble. Hey, hallelujah, I'm just telling somebody how to be favored and how to be blessed. You want double for your trouble? Pray for those that have hurt you. Pray for those that have stabbed you. Pray for those. Come on, somebody. This is a recipe that works. Amen. I've always seen that anytime I'm ready to go to the next level, amen, God will often let somebody offend me and see how I handle it. And every time I've got the decision to make, amen. Sometimes they've committed wrongs against this, but let's talk about this for a moment for the people that have a really good imagination. Perceived wrongs. You just perceived that somebody meant something away, and they didn't actually mean it a certain way. And you are too scared, or cowardly, I should say, to have a conversation with them to find out whether or not they really meant it the way you think they meant it. Hallelujah. We're just going to have some church for a moment, if that's all right. And you're too cowardly to go up to somebody and have a conversation and say, did you really mean X, Y, or Z? Did you mean it this way or that way? Or am I just reading into it because I've been hurt by somebody else and I'm taking it out on you? I want to help you. When you're offended, you bleed on people that did not cut you. You got to go to the hospital and get stitched up, get bandaged up, so you stop bleeding. Because if not, not only are you going to make everybody else dirty with the blood you're spraying out, but you're going to bleed to death. And it's going to be the death of your Christianity. Amen. People have not always offended you, but you have perceived that they've offended you. And you got one or two options. One, you can confront it and ask them if they meant it the way and resolve it that way. Or option number two, you forgive and you move on and say they probably didn't mean it like that. You let it go. Somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray for a moment. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus is saying, if you're, if you're not careful, anger will lead you straight to hellfire. Amen. And for all my Greek folk, that literally means what it says, hellfire. Amen. The fire of the eternal judgment at the end times. Uh, hallelujah. God is telling you, uh, amen, that if you don't get this taken care of, it progresses and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Amen. And it's only going to get worse until, uh, amen, you let that anger go. Man, there's some folks angry at people that are long dead, but they're letting it come out. Angry at a previous marriage. You're married to somebody else. Let it go. Hallelujah. Enjoy what you've got right now. I'll move off that. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Amen. We're almost done here tonight, but I'm hoping to teach you something. Amen. Chapter 5 and verse 21. I'm just going to have him put it up on the screen. Amen. I'm going to explain it. We've already read it. Amen. What is each verse, what is he really saying in each of these? Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he said, You've heard it said of them of old. Now, we know that the first part, thou shalt not kill, is one of the Ten Commandments. It wasn't said of them of old. It was said of God. God said, Thou shalt not kill. But they added a part to it. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That's the part that they said of old. Is only, so what happened? They drew the line at killing. That's where they drew the line. They drew the line at the action of murder. Verse 22. Jesus then redirects the line to the motive of anger. The motive of anger leads to judgment. It leads to counsel. And if it continues to burn out of control, hellfire itself. Hallelujah. 
Verse 23 and 24, Jesus gave a remedy for out-of-control anger. He said, if you, if you realize that you've caused your brother to be angry, he, he said, you go and you leave that altar. I want to tell you what the altar does. The altar doesn't just get you to pray and to repent. The altar doesn't just give you a blessing. The altar doesn't just a place for you to shout and huck a buck. I want to tell you what the altar does. The altar will make you self-aware of areas where you probably offended somebody. And it's... I love how people always got discernment, and they're like, they go to the altar, and God starts telling about everybody that did them wrong. And yet not one time they ever go to the altar does God speak to them about where they went wrong. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, when you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will convict you of sin. The Holy Ghost will convict you of righteousness. The Holy Ghost will convict you of judgment. It won't convict you of somebody else's sin and somebody else's righteousness or somebody else's judgment. But the Holy Ghost will remind you of the fact that you stepped on their toes. You got in their personal space. You started messing and trespassing in areas you shouldn't have done. And the Bible says, get up from the altar. Don't even worry about praying because God ain't listening hallelujah he said you go find them and you make it right amen because you know that person is burning up in anger it also could be that when you're at the altar God will start speaking to you that you need to let that anger go and until you let that anger go number one either conflict resolution you go find the person and you resolve the conflict you make it right or number two, you pray through at the altar if you're the one that, that is angry and you say, God, I'm just going to forgive it and I'm going to move on. Jesus said, leave the altar. I don't think we preach that. We always preach come to the altar. But I want to tell you, just as much as we preach come to the altar, sometimes we need to preach leave the altar. Leave the altar, go make it right. But don't forget step number three. Go back to the altar. Hallelujah. Praise God. Leave the altar, make it right, and then go back to the altar. And the truth is, if you leave the altar, you make it right, you probably won't come back to the altar by yourself. You'll probably have a friend. You'll probably have a brother. You'll probably have a sister, and you can lead them to the altar. Man, it could be that your lack of conflict resolution is hindering somebody else from going to the altar. Amen. Or your lack of forgiveness is leading, amen, stopping somebody from going to the altar. I want to help you here today. Amen. The altar can't fix something that you need to fix. Hallelujah. For all my clock watchers, we're going 35 minutes. I'll get you out to Applebee's before it's over. Amen. You, the, let me just talk to you for a moment. The altar cannot and will not fix what you are, intent, what you are called to fix. Hallelujah. There's some people who believe, oh, the altar fixes everything. No, it doesn't. The altar fixes you. And then sends you back to go fix some things. Come on, somebody. Don't leave me up here by myself. I, I told Sister Jeanette, I said, we just taking it back to Bible study. There was just a couple of us. We were just having Bible study every Tuesday night. Amen. I just want to help you here today. Amen. The altar is a place for God to fix you. And so you can get up from the altar and you can go fix some things. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody's going to have a good altar call from now on. God won't fix something you need to fix with somebody else. You know that somebody's done you wrong, or you've done somebody wrong, or vice versa. Amen. If you if somebody's done you wrong, the Bible says you gotta you gotta go find them and you gotta talk with them. You gotta make it. Amen. It doesn't tell you that you gotta wait on them to come to you. That's another subject. We'll talk about that. Amen. When when we come to that verse. Amen. But I want to just help you here today. There are moments where you need to leave the altar, go find the person, and reconcile it. Amen. God is not going to fix something that you need to fix with somebody else. There's people that well, I prayed. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and it's not getting fixed. Well, have you thought about apologizing? 
Hallelujah. Have you thought about saying, I'm sorry? You know, you and your spouse fight, and you're like, God, fix her. You know, it's funny. Every time I pray for my marriage, God never speaks to me about her. God always speaks to me about me and says, this is what you need to do. Amen. I might go into the prayer meeting and go, you know, she just did X, Y, and Z. Amen. She was a preacher kid. She's used to about preachers preaching about her. So, hey, you know, she needs to do X, Y, and Z. She needs to fix X, Y, and Z. Uh, and I get down to pray, and before it's uh, just a couple minutes in, God's like, let me talk to you, son. And he grabs me up by the collar and says, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk about where you went wrong. Let's talk about where you need to fix things. Uh, amen. And I want to tell you, when you get up from that altar, I got to go. Amen. I may not be happy about it. I might even be angry about it. And I got to go and Start fixing what I can fix. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God a hand clap of praise. Verse 25, Jesus admonishes conflict resolution. Amen. Agree with your adversary while you work quickly. Everybody say quickly. Stop letting it wait and fester. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are in the way with him. What does that mean? On your way to the judge. Let me tell you, folks, you may think that this is just another Wednesday night. But we're all on our way to the judge. Everyone in this building is on their way to the judge. And there are times you're going to meet up with people and they might sit on the pew next to you and they become an adversary. Hallelujah. We don't want adversaries in the church. Amen. We always say the adversary is the devil, but sometimes we become adversarial to one another. And the Bible declares, while you are in your way and on your way to the judge, he said, agree with them quickly. What is he saying? Jesus is saying that there is a remedy. He is admonishing conflict resolution before the rep repercussions of anger are beyond repair. He said agree. Here's another word for you. Work it out. Work it out with your adversary. Well, I don't like them. Work it out. Well, they offended me. Work it out. Well, they keep offending me. Work it out. I want to tell you why. Because eventually it will be too late. Nobody wants to talk about that. But did you know there's people dying right now as I'm preaching? And none of us know our appointment. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. Everybody's on their way to the judgment. And I would hate, amen, to come to a Wednesday night or come to a service or come to a fellowship or come to something, amen, and somebody offends me and I let anger burn so hot in me, amen, that all of a sudden I don't, I don't make it right. We don't fix it. We don't, we don't get work it out. Uh, and I die and I make it to the judge. And it's too late to make it right. Apologize if you need to. Repent if you need to. Create a plan for restoration if you need to. Whatever it takes to stop anger from landing you in the proverbial prison, do it. Verse 26, because he'll deliver you to the judge and the judge will deliver you to the officer. And I want you to see the progression. Somebody that has let their anger come out as an explosion, as like a bullet from a gun, and now they cast you into prison. That's what happens when we let our anger run wild. If we don't resolve our anger, it leads to the proverbial and sometimes literal prison. There's some people that have, because of their anger, ended up in actual prison. And if we don't resolve the issues before it's too late, there is no early parole. There is no appeals court. You cannot say, I'd like to get out early. He said, you will not get out until you have paid the very last penny. In other words, you pay full price for your anger. In the strongest terms Jesus could use, he is saying, fix the problem, fix the anger issue, or pay the price and do the time as a repercussion. 
we always read these things and we think about eternal judgment. No. You will lose relationships with people. They will put you into prison. And they will not let you go until it seems as if you've paid the very last penny. So what's the answer to anger? Everybody say patience. Everybody say forgiveness. God wants us to show kindness and compassion to speak words that lift up instead of tear down. To forgive instead of hold bitterness. These are the opposite of problematic and sinful anger reactions. When we are angry, we need the Holy Ghost to help slow us down. There's some folks going too fast. They are on the highway to hellfire. They need to slow down. We need it, the Holy Ghost to help us slow down and consider ways that we can demonstrate compassion and kindness in our response, even though we might be angry. Proverbs 16 and 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Amen, hallelujah. The folks that are just so fast and quick, amen, to temper and quick to anger, they think they're, they're something. I want to tell you, the person that's slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a grievous word stir up anger. Stop stirring the pot. Amen, stop hitting the hornet's nest, proverbially speaking. Amen, Proverbs uh, amen, 15 and 18 in the ESV, a hot tempered man stirs up strife but he who is slow to anger quiets contention proverbs 14 and 29 in the esv whosoever is slow to anger has great understanding but he who is hasty temper exalts uh, folly foolishness uh, amen to feel anger is part of being human amen it's part of being made in the image of god righteous anger is a good thing it can lead to social injustices being remedied it can lead to change in beautiful ways but when anger is impatient and not calm wise or thoughtful it leads to foolish actions in which we will go to prison until we paid for the very last penny amen that action can be hurtful to self and it can be hurtful to others this is why we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. It teaches us how to calm ourselves. It teaches us how to slow down. It teaches us to think about what we need to do in a time of anger. It teaches us to be long-suffering, and it teaches us to be patient. It teaches us to love, and it teaches us to forgive. What if we could stand across this building? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. Amen. Sister Libya, let's lift up our hands and let's pray. All across this building. There's not one person that is not currently dealing with what I am talking about today. Everybody gets angry, amen, and everybody has that momentary uh, reaction, amen, and some people are just letting that reaction hold on a little too long. But God sent me to teach you here tonight, if you want to be favored with God and with men, you need to control your anger. You need to control and let the Holy Ghost, amen, cause there to be long-suffering and patience as fruits of the Spirit. Somebody pray in this house. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. There's some folks that your marriage would be a whole lot better if you could just hold your tongue, if you could just let patience reign in your mortal body, if you could let the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, pull you back. There's some folks that you would get promoted if you could let your anger, amen, be controlled by the Holy Ghost. There's some folks that would, amen, gain back relationships that have long been lost uh, if you could let God help you with your anger problems. Amen. Colossians 3.8, but now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Do you know why Moses couldn't go into the promised land? 
He did so many things right. But the Bible says he couldn't enter and he was angry. He was so angry. You know what's, power, what's powerful about that? He was angry at a generation that was dead and gone. And the next generation. Man, this is when you know leadership's done. When you're done with your leadership is when you see everybody like you saw other people that are dead and gone. He said, oh, you, you just carnal, no good, backslidden. He called them rebels. They weren't rebels. You want to go back to Egypt? They've never been to Egypt. But he was so angry, and he didn't let it go, that even when they cried out for water, God said, speak to the rock. What did he do? So angry. He could have just been angry and just. He took that rock, the rod, and he smote the rock. And let me help somebody. Just because water flows doesn't mean you're right. Just because water flows doesn't mean your spirit's right. Just because you get up and you sing or you do X, Y, or Z and water flows doesn't mean your spirit's right. God is going to take care of his people. Hallelujah. But it was because of anger. There's some promises that God wants to give to people. But because of your anger issues, you can't obtain them. But the Bible says, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. You know why people blaspheme? Because they get angry at God. What is the atheist's number one argument? If there was a God and he's so loving, why does X, Y, or Z happen? They're angry about all the negative things that happen in the world. And what do they do? They blaspheme. They take it out on God. They don't let go anger. Colossians 3 and 12, just a couple verses after that. What are we supposed to do instead? After we put off, because we're so quick to tell people to, to repent, put things off, get rid of things. But what are we to put on? Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy. Everybody say holy. And beloved. Bowels of mercy. Something out of... When, you, when somebody makes you angry at the beginning, your reaction is you want to punch them back, but eventually there should be something called compassion and pity that comes from you. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do also ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. You put on love. Something transforms in your heart. I want us to come down to this altar. Would you come? We're going to pray. This is an opportunity to say, God, I pray, Lord, that you would develop me in, in my patience. God, that you would help me to put on holiness. That you would help me to put on bowels of mercy. God, that you would help me to put on kindness. I know I got angry. I know I was frustrated. That happens to everybody. But God, instead of letting it come out of me, God, help me to be slow to anger, God. Lord, I pray, God, help me to have humbleness of mind, to not think greater of myself than I ought, so I don't always get offended by everybody because I think that, that I'm so great.